Yeah, go. Right, hello and welcome back to Pubham SPL. Tonight we only have a five minute episode for you because we didn't actually think we were going to do an episode this week. That is because of the new Super League proposal. We didn't know what was going on, what, when that was happening or basically anything about it. So I think the general consensus here is that Super League is bad. And if anybody has maybe any objections, feel free to speak up. But otherwise, I think I think we'll just move straight on from that into, do we think it's completely dead yet? Yeah, this Super League is completely dead. I have no doubt about it. I mean, until yeah. Florentino Perez is dead, there's not going to be... He's still going to cause nuisance because his club is almost a billion euros in debt. So, But I think that this concept of Super League is definitely dead. But I don't. I think we're going to have more harassment coming from him in the future. I'm not sure about that, the whole concept of Super League. Because if we look at the new Champions League changes that are going to be implemented, we're going to see four more teams into it. And... One is going to come from a smaller league somewhere in Europe, the champions of that. That's fair enough. I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, another one is probably going to be third place in the French League One. That's perfectly fine by me too. But then the final two spots, those are going to be teams that have done poorly this year. But they, haha, have a big fan base. No, that's not what they said. But basically, it's a big team that hasn't done well this year. No, I think it's completely wrong. Just pull in, like, fifth and sixth place of the Premier League or La League or something instead, because this is exactly the same thing they were doing with the Super League, but they're going to get away with it because all the fans are distracted by the absolutely horrendous Super League idea. Or am I... Um, is it just, just me? I mean, no, you're completely right. This new Super League, uh, Champions League format is awful. And Gundogan spoke up about it recently and said, it's a lesser of t- two evils, yes, compared to Super League. But it's still awful. Players should, teams shouldn't go into Champions League based on their history or their fan base, without them saying that. But it should be who's played, performed the best. Who doesn't love an underdog story like Leicester coming to Champions League? That's exactly what every football fan wants to see. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, this whole idea of the, the this whole new format for the Champions League, like, just give it a break. Honestly, when I when I first heard about it, it was like twenty four hours after Super League, and I was like, what? Now we have to do this again, because I mean, the, the idea with Champions League is that the best clubs in Europe play each other, not the best clubs. From like the lower leagues meet the the top leagues. It's the best clubs in the world from the top leagues. And what also bothers me about the new Champions League thing is that they've act- they've actually gone and made like a traditional league. But each team is only going to play how many was it? I think it was like ten games or something. So each team's going to play ten games, and I guess that makes for predictable TV revenues or whatever it is they care about these days. But I mean, how are you going to make a league with uh, how many teams is it again? Uh, it's like 36 teams or something? Yeah, or 36. Or maybe they have not come out before that. 36, 36, but, yes. But you can't go and make a league with 36 teams and then only have each team play 10 games. It's, it what do you mean only? No, no, but I think the problem is that it increases the amount of games from 8 to 10. But the problem is that there's no longer a group stage. The issue is that... Because the... Before this new format, the champion before twenty twenty four, the format for the Champions League was that it was like a World Cup sort of um, tournament style. So you had group stage, then you had um, a round of death, and then you have the quarterfinals and the semis, and then the finals. But now I think that what they've done is they created a league, and I, I don't exactly understand how it's going to work, but apparently the the top eight clubs that the top or apparently like the um, the top eight clubs that finish um that finish in the super league in like the new league sorry it's um so apparently they're gonna play out the league and then the top eight clubs get automatic qualification and then like the the bottom clubs have to play a qualifier which makes no sense because i mean if you, I'm just saying, if you 
if you place second place, if you're second seeded in a group, you you don't want to have to go through another qualification round just because you didn't get first. And that's what I don't. Uh, that's what I don't understand about it. Yeah, the cop system that we have right now is perfect. Like, if you don't make the top two, if you make third, you go into Europa League. If you make top two, you go on to knock around. If you come fourth, you play six games, you go home. Like, there's nothing wrong with this. Like, I just don't understand why changing needs to happen. Like, why would you give the losing teams another chance? The, they had their chance. They have to go home now. That makes no yeah, sense. I think, I think maybe a bit of the problem with the existing thing is that we see a lot of games which aren't actually that interesting. I don't know. I feel like it's not completely unusual that we have to wait until like the semi-finals or something to actually start seeing the interesting games. Whereas a lot of the group stages is just you got one really good team, one kind of decent team, and then two ones and two teams that just, you know, it's one from Belarus and one from mid-table Italy, you know, it's... I, I exaggerated that a bit, but you get my point. But I think that... um. What was nice about that, if you have this league, one of the problems, this is a problem that's shared with the Super League. The problem is, no one wants to watch Madrid versus Liverpool like twi- like four times a year. And if you have this league concept, okay, take it for example like this. Ronaldo versus Messi is like the most entertaining uh, fixture nowadays in this generation, right? You know, when, you, when Ronaldo and Messi come together to play against each other, it's a very rare, con- it's, a, it's a very rare for like um, event, isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, the problem is that no one wants to want, because if you, if you have like the Champions League group, if you have the format that we're using right now, there's always that chance that, you know, interesting games are... Basically, I mean, there's always that... The, the nice thing about the, the group stage is that the teams are randomly generated. So it's not, you know... You're not going to see Liverpool play Madrid 100%. You know, they might meet in the semis or, the, or like, the quarterfinals. But yeah. leading up to that, you know, it's, it's just random generated. But the problem is that if you have a league, you know, you're definitely going to see these fixtures pop up again and again and again. And that is what's going to get boring. You know, no one wants to see Messi versus Ronaldo four times a year or twice a year in, in a exactly. Super League. as well, as Gundogan said earlier, think about the players. Like, these teams aren't going to be able to afford to play their best squad in both leagues. Like, we're going to see a lot more teams doing what Manchester City are currently doing, but Manchester City have... Uh, somewhat unique financial situation so they can actually go ahead and do that for someone like Liverpool we've seen when they what happens when they lose just a few of their key players imagine with this I, I, don't, I don't like it yeah it definitely is going to take a, a toll on the players because they're going to have to play I mean if you're a regular starter you're going to have to play what like about so there's four games in the knockout round and then there's like 10 you're gonna have to play 14 champions league games plus having to play in the domestic league the fa cup the league cup the what else is there and then you're trying to qualify for the top four if not win the premier your own domestic cup and it's just gonna be really you basically we're gonna be seeing a lot of pep roulette which no one actually wants to see all the time what's nice about the champions league is that because the games are less, the squad depth is reserved for the one of the be- for the best players in the squad, right? Yeah. But yeah, I'm just I'm ranting on about it. But yeah, um, I I think that it's just when we go out of Super League, this whole Super League controversy, you know, in the end it only took forty eight hours, but it was a very long and exhausting and nerve wracking forty eight hours, and so once. You know, once they cancelled the concept on Tuesday, I think everyone just wanted to have a breather for a second. But then they came in with this new UCL format, and it's like, oh shit, here we go again. I mean, to be fair, Super League isn't actually cancelled yet. I mean, it's basically cancelled, but Florentino Perez hasn't said it's cancelled. And I still think both the Spanish teams, not Atletico or Valencia, 
both Barca and uh, Real Madrid are still in on it. Yeah, the, I mean, look at their clubs, man. Like, Barca's, what, 1.2 million? They're like, um, how much is it? You they're can look it up. Yeah, they're basically over a billion in debt. And Madrid are almost a billion as well. They're like 900 million or something. It's not... Uh, please, when has Florentino Perez ever given a shit about English football? Never. Yeah, he's just doing this to, to to dig himself out of his own hole that he's dug. I mean, look at Madrid right now. They're playing, they're playing home games in their training park. I mean... Mm. They're trying to build a new stadium. They're trying to afford transfers. They they have to make up with the negative profit from the lack of fans and revenue, you know, generated. So he just wants to make money back for his own club. And please don't yeah, come I out. Think, yeah, I think this is the problem that all of these rich American owners they think, oh no, my club is doing bad, and that. Then they think, oh, the whole world's going to care about my pocket, but they don't care about that. They just care about watching football on the weekends. Exactly. I mean, this whole owner nonsense as well. I mean, look at like... Okay, we'll take the top six, for example. Look at the top six and who they're owned by. Arsenal is owned by uh, Kroenke, obviously, American. Chelsea has an American board member, some, some Donny named Buck. He's an American. Then Spurs have another board member who's also an American. He owns some shareholder. He owns a specific um, stakeholder in the club as well, and he's on the board. He's an American. The Glazers, they're American. Liverpool, whatever his name is, something to do with John, some Donny named John. He's an American as well. They're all Americans. And the problem with America is that I mean, you look at the NFL. Yeah, you can have you can have a super league in in the NFL, because there's only a few, there's only a handful of teams in the NFL. Because that's just one country, but you can't try and bring over that kind of that kind of format to Europe. Like it doesn't work. Yeah, I think it it doesn't work. Do we think? What about these clubs then that agreed to do this? I don't think... Do we think they should be seeing any punishment? Or, like, as, of course, since I support Watford, then this, for me, of course I'd want to see them punished because when, for example, Portsmouth were in a horrible financial situation, nobody gave a shit because it's Portsmouth, right? But when these clubs are in a bad financial situation, now, remember, everybody else is also in a bad financial situation, so it's nothing special, but because these owners are losing money then they should be getting special treatment according to them and i don't think that's okay because none of the other clubs are doing this bullshit so i think there should be some form of punishment or what would you think well i definitely agree with you i think that there should be some sort of punishment i've just read from a quote from Sefrin, the ua for president and he's just said there's going to be no punishment i mean I'm an Arsenal fan myself, right? When I heard that Arsenal were going to join this new Super League concept and it meant that they could possibly forfeit the Premier League and their chance at the, the Europa League and the Champions League, when I heard that, I was outraged. Because what is that saying? You're basically throwing away decades and decades of history and, and accomplishment. I mean, Arsenal, what are they known for? They're known for the Invincibles who, were, who went full, who went like 38 games unbeaten during the Premier League season. Look at Man- Manchester United. They're known for the 13 titles they have in the, in the Premier League, plus the two European Cups under Sir Alex Ferguson. Look at Liverpool. They have six European Cups. Look at uh, Tottenham, not exactly that special, but look at Chelsea. They won the Premier. They won the They won like the Premier League twice, and then they won the Champions League. Uh, Arsenal yeah. again. Yeah, I mean, it, it's disgraceful to think that your club is going to boycott decades and decades of history, and not to mention the generations of fans. I mean, yeah. how does that feel from an Arsenal fan? I mean, you know, when I heard that, I was like, "What?" I was like, "Are you really considering this?" And I think every top six fan was doing was thinking of that as well. They all wanted yeah. to chuck their their they all wanted to chuck their shirts in the bin, 
it's a disgrace. Yeah, I think I think it's a tough call as well because the whole Super League thing wouldn't have been cancelled if it weren't for the top six fans rebelling. Like if the Watford fans and the Wigan fans and the Leicester fans had said this is bullshit, then nobody would have listened because of course we think it's bullshit. It makes our prospects of actually getting anywhere or our club doing good, it makes it impossible. But I think the football community owes a lot to the top six fans who we often like to call maybe plastic or something, but I still think we owe a lot to them because if they hadn't protested, this would have gone ahead. And we don't want, like, we want to make consequences for the owners, but not for the fans. And if we, for example, relegate, relegate everyone to championship for a year, then yes, that's going to hurt the owners, but it's also going to hurt the fans because at you as an Arsenal fan, how interested would you be in watching Arsenal play, say, Coventry on a cabbage patch somewhere in Northern England? Like, I don't know, I just don't, I feel it sort of hurts the fans and the players and the managers as well. And that isn't really the intention. Yeah, I think that, I mean, you don't want to see your club getting, you don't want to see your club not being able to play top flight football because that is the goal for most clubs to actually play top flight football. So I I think that relegating them to championship is a bit harsh because, you know. Yeah, what about uh, about a points reduction? Yeah, definitely. That's what I was about to, that's what I was about to say because, you know, it's, they're trying, it's basically sabotage in some sense. They've, they're trying to sabotage the format of the league that has worked for generations and gener- that has worked for decades and decades. They try- it was sabotage. I, 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 when I heard of it, I was like, just deduct 25 points from all of them. Like, seriously, because... Yeah, but yeah. That, would, that would probably see Arsenal relegated. Would it? No, I don't think so. Sheffield already if, relegated. If, if the league ended here, Arsenal are on 46 points, right? So 46 minus 25, that is, what, 20? That would leave them seven points behind Fulham. Oh, and you're right. three points, four points behind West Brom. I mean, if I'm being honest, good. I, 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 I would be all right with that. Because I, I, if I was an Arsenal supporter, I would... You are I would, an Arsenal supporter. Yeah, sorry, I am one, yeah. As an Arsenal supporter, I would rather see my club get deducted points... And have to fight to stay in the in the Premier League, which I think they would most likely. I would rather have them fight for those. I would rather have them fight to recover those points. But I would ra- But I would still want them to have deducted points because it was, it was, it was such a bullshit thing to do. I mean, yeah, it, it's... I agree. What about what about something? Because I don't think we want to see Arsenal relegated, and I don't think Arsenal fans want that either. For the most part. What about something that, you know, you have to start from negative 10 points the next few seasons? Because it's not going to impact it massively and you still have a chance at, like, Europa League, Champions League. You just really need to sort of fight for it. Yeah, I think we saw that in Championship with, like, Sheffield United. but um, Wednesday. Yeah, we saw that with Sheffield Wednesday. They got deducted by, well, they got deducted by, like, 30 points, was it? I can't remember. Uh, 12 points, 12 points. I don't know where I got 30 from, but yeah, it's, yeah, so it's basically um, giving them a disadvantage to begin with, and I think that's fair. Yeah. And uh, these, um, you have to remember... But that's because they're owners through mobile. It's yeah. The same, it was the same story with Wigan, who are now, I think, struggling to stay in League One. They were doing fine in Championship last season. Then their owners go and enter administration because they, I don't know, there's financial problems. And then they get deducted minus 12 points. The whole club's in shambles. They end up relegated. Um, and now they're struggling to survive in League One. Yeah, this is one of the things that... Um, I When I see this, I commend the Germans for it. Because the German League is... I think all of Europe's top flights have to look up and admire Germany. Because obviously... They have the fifty plus one rule, which prevents any 
any billionaires basically coming in and taking over the entire club. So 51% of it is run by the fans. And that's something that I like. It makes sense. You know, there's no complete control by this one Don that just has money. And that's one of the reasons Dortmund, Dortmund and Bayern didn't even go into the Super League. It, yeah, that's a co- the yeah. fans said no. Exactly. And they actually listened to the fans because, you know, especially in Germany, the culture is that fans belong to the football club. The football club is made up by fans, especially like yeah. clubs like Dortmund. So, yeah. yeah. Also, if you, also um, I, this is an example. This is another example. I know that Dortmund recently were having some negative profit issues. And I remember what they did is they just um, they just went to the bank and took out a loan for, I believe, 400 million euros or something. So, you know, even if you're, even if you're not I mean, run by... Aren't loans, aren't loans what got Real Madrid and Barca into this place in the first place? Yeah, but they had to rebuild it. I think they took it out to build a new stadium and that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but... Yeah, I think that... I think one of the things... It might be a bit unrealistic, but... um, I don't think we should kick out the owners. Because, you know, when you look at, for example, Man City... Yes, they did basically buy the league. But um, if you look at what they've done for that Manchester City area... What they've done for the Manchester area... What Mansoor has done is, you know, it's pretty, pretty noble work, I guess you could say. So, but yeah. I, I think that, you know, if you give, I mean, it's it's that rule of if you give too much, they're going to bite the hand that feeds you. So I think but that... But if you give too little, you're just going to eventually end up with the same teams winning it over and over again. I think that's a bit of a problem with the Bundesliga, maybe. I, I, I think... We need the 50 plus 1 rule, but I'm not a massive fan of the 50 plus 1 rule because right now none of the other teams except maybe Leipzig or uh, Dortmund are anywhere near to challenging Bayern. And I think that's somewhat sad. I mean, in England we have a new winner every year. They don't have that in Germany. Yeah, I mean, City have won it twice, haven't they? They've won it twice in a row, haven't they? Yeah, I think they have. No, Liverpool won that. Or am I being dumb? 20... Hang on, let me think. 2017 so this, 18. This year City winning it, right? Yeah. Last year Liverpool won it. Uh, the year before that, it was, went up to the last day, but City clinched it with one point. Uh, the year before that, it was... City again. Okay, yeah, we're seeing a trend, but it's still not like. But they, they had City to, had two yeah. Convincing wins, and one was a last game of the season one, and then before that they were they were good, but they weren't winning. But yeah, so the point is that it did come down to the wire. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's one of the nice things. I mean, of course, there's that famous Aguero moment. You know that that was um. That was essentially the goal that came down to the final minute, essentially. And yeah. I think that's one of the interesting things about the Premier League. There's always this competitiveness in in the league. And but um, but or I think that the oil money has ruined it, essentially. Especially, not but not. Uh, I'm not trying to point fingers at Manchester City, but like you said, the fifty plus one rule is it does have its flaws. But at the end of the day. It it keeps the tradition of football alive more than you know allowing buyers to buy up the entire um, shareholders. Yeah. So I think that if we could find like a compromise between that, because I don't think fifty plus one is like ever going to happen to the Premier League realistically, because fifty plus one that's you know quite a demand. That's quite the ask. But um, something like. I don't know, 20 plus 1 or 20% what stakeholders. What would the point of 20 plus 1 be? Because the owners still have a majority stake. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm not exactly a financial expert. You're the economy expert here, aren't you? Uh, um, compared to my competition, maybe. <laughs> but I, the point of 50 plus 1 is that the fans always have the majority. So when there's a vote, the fans are the ones deciding. And if you give them less than that, you sort of defeat the purpose. I mean, you could have it 50-50, and then the fans would have the power to prevent something the owner wants to do. So there'd have to be like, both of them agreeing on it, but I mean, that could work to be fair, but I just find it hard to do owners agreeing to that as well. But I think only, we'll, we'll tell with time, only time will tell. Yeah. Uh, do you want to uh, move on to the Premier League? Because, you know, it's an FPL podcast. So do you want to, I don't think we're going to, we haven't got players prepared and stuff like that. But do you want to go through the games this week? Maybe make a little crazy predictions or something? Yeah, let's go, let's go. Right, so we'll just I'll just start listing them here. But uh, tonight we've got Arsenal playing, uh, hosting Everton at the Emirates. What are your thoughts? Um, I I don't. It's going to be a tough one because Arsenal are appalling right now. They tied to Fulham, didn't they? So yeah, I think so. I don't think any of these teams are. Are looking good to be honest. As an Arsenal fan, I'm not exact. I'm not too thrilled to to watch my club anymore for a while because when you tie to Fulham, that's just like yeah. I think that we're I mean, it, we're aiming it, to we're aiming to do well in Europa. So I don't think that there's much concern. I don't think there's much interest in the Premier League as an Arsenal fan. No, I think Premier League sort of your backup safety option, but I don't know. It's a backup safety option which. Is currently requiring a lot of effort, and I think honestly, it's eighth versus ninth. That's a mid-table, mid-table scoreboard. I'll say one all. I'll say. Well, I don't want to like. I just think it's going to be like, um, yeah, we'll go one all. Because Everton, are, as much as they are trying to fight for the top four, they're not exactly in the form of their life. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point. What about then uh, tomorrow lunchtime when we see Liverpool hosting Newcastle at Anfield? What are your thoughts there? I think that... Well, I think the bookies are probably going to be in favour of Liverpool, but I think... I could see how Newcastle could pull up, uh, you know, an upset here because they're looking fairly good. They, They defeated West Ham, and I would say West Ham are significantly better than Liverpool this season. So, I don't know. I mean, Newcastle aren't exactly top six, are they? But at the same time, at the same time, they can, you know, they can, they've always got a trick up their sleeve. So, I could see, we'll say 2-1 Newcastle. I think, I think it's going to be a draw. And because both, both sides have a history of drawing. Newcastle will be perfectly content with a draw uh, if they just don't completely screw up. They're basically safe from relegation. Um, they've got two wins now in a row. They're on pretty good form. Liverpool, on the other hand, barely managed to scrape past Villa, then have drawn two games in a row. I think they look they looked fairly decent against Leeds, but then again... Uh, you know, I think that was that that game might be a bit. It's hard to say with Leeds because Leeds can be whatever team you want, but I'm going to say two two because I think I I just can I can just see Newcastle getting a really early goal and then one at the very end of the game just to keep them to draw there. What do you think? Yeah. I think it sounds reasonable. I could see how Newcastle take an early lead. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I'll, you know, I'll go. We'll go two two as well for me. Uh, scrap the two one. We'll go two two. Yeah. Then uh, tomorrow afternoon we have West Ham hosting Chelsea. Um, what are our thoughts here? So, one of the reasons I think West Ham are going to dominate this game is because. 
they are in prime position to take top four. They only have a few more games left uh, in the season. So, um, I definitely could be seeing how they're going to go full guns out here against Chelsea, who are... Chelsea, I, I must say, are looking pretty poor. And the, oh, the fact that they have... The fact that they have a, a semi-final as well in the Champions League is going to... They're going to have to try and deal with two focuses here. So, I think West Ham... You know, they have one focus, which is top four. I think they're going to take this one easy. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think... There are two teams, they have the same points, uh, they're on similar form, but I think the difference here is in the squad depth and the squad, because West Ham have a bit of an injury crisis. They don't have a striker, they don't have Declan Rice. We've seen just how vulnerable their defence can be, and while Chelsea aren't exactly free-scoring, I can see them getting a goal in that game because they know how much that's going to matter. And I think Chelsea have more of an experience in fighting for top four. And I think I think Chelsea will defend well. I think... I, I just can't see West Ham really scoring in this game. And for that reason, I'm going to say 1-0 for Chelsea. I think that... Um, just to... Add on to that. I, what I think the difference with West Ham is right now is that if you look at West Ham's games, you know, they're usually a goal fest. I don't think I've seen yeah. a West Ham game recently with less than two, three goals. You know? Yeah, the last four games, it was six goals, five goals, five goals, 12 five goals and the red card. So, you know, pretty exciting games. <laughs> exactly. So I think that if West Ham can can keep this attacking threat against Chelsea, I think Chelsea's defence might capitulate because we've seen it happen. I, I'm not sure because Chelsea have a good defence and West Ham, in these goal fests, they've been playing Arsenal, who we, we, we know Arsenal defensively aren't exactly... Fabulous. Then we've got Wolves. Same story there, to be honest. Wolves have sort of dropped off this season. They haven't been great defensively. Then Leicester. And Leicester can really be whatever you want Leicester to be, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and then you had Newcastle, where West Ham got a red card in the 36th minute. Uh, so I think they did good there, but, you know, Newcastle, it's sort of, you know. They're mediocre. They're worse than mediocre, to be honest. They've been like relegation in in and out of the relegation zone for the last three seasons, basically. Fair enough. In my opinion. But um, let's move on then, shall we? Uh, to the Blades hosting Brighton. Well, yeah, it's probably going to be boring. Uh, I say. The Blades are probably just going to try and defend, maybe do something here, because Brighton are probably the closest they're going to get to some practice for championship, because Brighton are both poor, but they're also going to go out and play. So, but I think the Blades are just too poor for this. Also, uh, the manager, Heckingbottom, haven't got any anything out of them so far. So, I'm going to say 2-0 to the Seagulls. What about you? So, I don't exactly know, because, I mean, Brighton, are, I don't think they're going to get relegated this season, are they? It, no. It's looking very unlikely, but um, Sheffield are definitely relegated, right? So, I think that, yeah. at the most, what they're going to do is try and... I don't think they're going to just, like, slack off entirely, but I think they'll be fighting for some sort of pride here. I think Brighton have a lot more to fight for, because Brighton... They're on decent form as well, to be honest. Yeah. And really, they could still need a win just to get sort of that one one step further away from Fulham because, you know, you want to sort of quarantine yourself against Fulham. So if they can get a win, <laughs> they will go up to, what's that, 37 points, and then they'll actually be in 14th place ahead of Southampton and Newcastle, which is 
a pretty comfortable place to be. So, yeah, this I, is. I'm, I'm favouring Brighton here. I'm gonna have to favour Brighton as well because this is like final stretch of the yeah. of the season, and for a team like Brighton, and Porter's got both eyes. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. It's the final stretch. There's only a few games left. So I think Brighton will just be looking to get out of get out of there with the, the point with three points and yeah. recoup and try and aim for next season. But I, you know, I don't think they're in much threat here. I think if they lose this game to Sheffield by some godfound miracle, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world for them. I don't think it's going to be too much of a threat. But I think that. Brighton will find a way in the end just to claw yeah. themselves out. It's been a miserable season for them, I have to say. Yeah. Then, uh, Sunday lunchtime, we have Wolves hosting Burnley at the Molyneux. Um, any initial thoughts here? Could anyone give a shit? I mean, like... Burnley fans probably do, because right now they're 17. So if Fulham somehow pull off two wins, not don't know how that is going to happen and Burnley have a game in hand. But just for the sake of the argument, if that happens, then Burnley are relegated. So I think Burnley actually have a fair bit to play for here because, I mean, if both, if they can get a win, they're, I mean, of course, if Fulham's form starts turning around, but realistically, they're not going to get much more than maybe two wins and a draw until the end of the season. So... I think I'm favouring Burnley here, to be fair. I don't think there's much to play for here, but, I mean, obviously Burnley still have um, a shot at relegation, but, I mean, for the sake of of saying something, I'll say from an FPL perspective, it might be a good opportunity to get in some Wolves defenders, like Patricio or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm playing my Wolves defenders, but... Not really out of choice, more out of, you know, I just would have to because I don't have anyone else to play. But then um, midday, uh, we'll just move on into Leeds hosting uh, Manchester United. This one, this is, it's going to be a cracker, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I'm... Gonna get the prediction wrong. I already know that, but I'm actually going for a nil-nil. A nil-nil. Yeah. What do you think of that? I think we've seen Leeds do pretty low-scoring games against much of the big six a while back. They drew nil-nil to Chelsea at home. Uh, then they beat City two-one. Uh, drew one-all to Liverpool. I just feel like it's gonna be a nil-nil. I mean. I think that even though it's a bit unrealistic, Man United fans and Man United players are still going to be trying to fight for the Premier League trophy. As unrealistic as it might seem, you never know, because I, I don't know. They yeah. have been sort of looking vulnerable, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, this did happen in like 2012, didn't it? Where City won the title at the very, very end on the last game day, and they were like... Mm eight points below. It's a very similar situation, and I think... I mean... Do I think Manchester United are going to... Do I think Manchester United are going to have a shot at winning the title realistically? No. Are they going to try? Of course. Uh, But, you know... And at the very least, they don't want to end up in a position like... Leicester, where you lose two games and then all of a sudden you're competing with Chelsea and West Ham to stay in the top four. So. Yeah, definitely. So, I think this will be... I, I don't think it will be um, a high-scoring game. Something like 4-2, I don't think so. But, um, yeah. What did you say, 2-1? I said uh, 0-0. 0-0, sorry. Um... But at the same time, I can see how Leeds might have that competitiveness in them still. Because yeah. where are they currently? They're like... They're uh, mid-table somewhere. Uh, tenth. Tenth. And... I mean, 
if you look yeah, at they're the... also starting up a new league so if you end up what is it seventh or eighth or something i can't exactly remember you still go to europe yeah so if they they you know they are what like seven points away from liverpool who are pretty appalling and are in seventh place see i think they you know i don't will they be going i don't think they have a lot yeah, I don't think they're going to be going um, all guns but, out I here, think, but I don't think they're going to be going all guns out here, but I think they'll at least try. I think, I, I don't think the team as such has anything to play for, but I think Bielsa is scary enough for the players to give their 100% <laughs> every game. Uh, Bielsa is uh, an intimidating man. Especially when, yeah, it, yeah when, when Bielsa's crouching down, oh, you know you're in trouble. Yeah. On the bucket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The bucket's um, got... <laughs> yeah, but let's move on to Sunday night where the villains are hosting West Brom. What do you think here? You mean Villa? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you said villains and I was like, Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> um... No. Villa versus West Brom. Yeah. Aren't West Brom relegated as well? I mean, they're sort of relegated, but at the same time not, you know? They they can pull it off if they like win all their games and Fulham and Burnley lose all their games, but at the same time it's not very likely. Well, I think that um the main motivation for teams in between seventh and eleventh place um, Villa being 11th, there's still, it's very tightly compacted in there, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and Villa as well have uh, a game in hand, uh, and compared to some teams, they even two games in hand, so if you compare them to Spurs, for example, if Villa were to win the two games in hand compared to Spurs, uh, they'd only be three points behind Spurs, so. Yeah, so, again, I don't think I think it's just that competition spirit that's in them now at this point. Um, I don't think they're going to be too disappointed if they miss out on seventh place or something. But, you know, I think they'll still be fighting for it. Yeah, for me, I am going to go a bit bold here. And I'm going to predict an Allardyke masterclass. I say it's going to be a lot of goals. I think they are going to score, but I think West Brom are going to take the win. I say 5-2 to West Brom. 5-2? Yeah, a bit of, bit of a crazy prediction, but I'm, I'm going to go with it. And if I'm right, I'm a legend. If I'm wrong, nobody's <laughs> going to remember. So, you know. Is this... Um, I want to, I'll ask you this. Is this an opportunity to maybe bring in Watkins? Don't bring anyone in. Why, why would you do that from neither of these teams? Just keep them on your avoid list. I'm just, you know. But, I mean, Watkins has been fairly good. You have to admit, he did... He got an assist against City, didn't he? And that's... Yeah, but, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I could see how he bangs in a goal. Even even if it's 5-2 to West Brom, I could still see how he scores a goal. Watkins has been fine. And, yeah, he... If it happens to be 5-2, yeah, then sure, he is probably going to get a goal. But, I mean, let's be honest, what's the chance it's actually going to be 5-2? 5-2, I doubt it, but... Yeah, exactly. I, like you said, I think it might be a goal fest. And I think if you think it might be a goal fest as well, then I think that's a good... You know, I think that might be an opportunity to get in Watkins. I mean, it very well could be, but it could also very well just be a nil-nil or something like that, so... Yeah, it could be. It's a hard one to call, but uh, let's move on to, to the final game. Uh, Leicester City hosting Crystal Palace. What do you think here? This one's going to be interesting because, I mean, like you said, Leicester City are just what they want. They just do what they want at this point. Yeah. So, um, it, I mean, Palace are just at that point where it's like, they know... Yeah, they know there's no point. We know there's no point. They're just going to be like, whatever. We just want to yeah, end the I season. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And they have enough points to feel 
relatively comfortable in the position that they are. Like, are Fulham really going to get, what's that, 11 points over the next uh, five game weeks? Probably not. And do they really need this game to get those points? They're, they've got games coming up against Sheffield United, Villa, etc. So, I think this one's going to be easy for Leicester. It's going to be... 2-0 or 3-0 uh, as well. I think I've heard some rumours that maybe Roy Hodgson is going to retire at the end of the season, but I don't think that's really going to make a whole lot of difference. I don't think the players have quite that desire to sort of go out there and fight for him uh, to end his career in a good way. You know, I... Some of them maybe, but at the same time we've heard rather critical comments from uh, Zaha and Benteke, among others. So. You know, I don't think... No offence to Hodgson, but he's, he's a bit of a mediocre manager, isn't he? I mean, look at that Palace squad, though. Look at that Palace squad. I don't know a lot of managers that would be keeping them up season after season. So I, I think he's doing a fine job it's boring football, um, but he's doing a fine job for the owners of the club, and I... I don't think so. I think Crystal Palace are looking for more next season, if not, you know, looking... At, I mean, maybe not this season. I think he might retire at the end of the season, but um, I think they'll be looking to get some switches done um, during the I summer. I think we know what we're getting with Roy Hodgson, and... But this has just been a. It's been a problem. Sorry, but this has been a, a prob uh, a problem with Crystal Palace in general. They always look good, but somehow at the end of the season they're always eleventh or something. I mean, they never look good, though. I mean. I mean, there was a time early on in the season when Zaha was tearing it up. Yeah, but Zaha doesn't actually want to be there. And yeah, they fair have enough. a negative 19 goal difference for a reason. They're not good. And Hodgson is good at pulling out of those 1 0 wins, just keeping them up every season. Uh, I'm going to check here, but I'm pretty much willing to bet that they have like minus 10, or at least negative goal difference every single season. I'm checking it now, but yeah, minus 10, minus 13. Minus twelve. I mean, as long as they've been, as long as Google goes back, they've been on a negative goal difference and still stayed in the Premier League. And I think Hodgson's doing a fine job. It's not entertaining, and I wouldn't be happy with him if I were a Crystal Palace fan. But if I were the Crystal Palace uh, owner, I'd be perfectly content with that, to be honest. I mean, I'm going to have to disagree there. I think that... I mean, one of the things with the Premier League, like we've said, is that if you're looking for... If you're if you're looking at it from next year point of view, you're going to want to switch out the manager. You're going to want to... I mean, okay, you look at, like, Leicester City, for example, right? They had yeah. a far less chance of winning the Premier League than Crystal Palace ever did, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. And it took and it took one managerial change to get them that title. And I think if you're yeah. Crystal Palace, is it unrealistic that you know you might win the title? Yes, but do you still have that hope? Yes. So I think that they're still going to want to make a switch at the end of the year. Because... I don't think they're going to sack him, but I think he might leave. I don't. Know. To be honest. I could see how they sack him because I, I don't think it would be one of those sacks where it's like, you've been playing awful. No, it's not. Unless they have a really bad start to next season and he stays for some reason and by like Christmas they're dead last at 20th. But I, I, I don't know. I think... I don't think they're going to sack him because I think he's doing a fine job. And for that squad... 13th is a pretty decent result. Like, they don't have a striker that actually scores goals. Yeah, they need and to buy one. They have three, but none of them are scoring. <laughs> I mean, that's an indication to buy a new one. Yeah. 
But at the same time, I wouldn't sack him if I was Palace because if you sack a manager just for being sort of mediocre, then you end up in a Watford position where no manager actually wants to come to your club. And our last two managers, one has come from the Israeli league and the other has come from the Georgian league. So, I mean... I'm not complaining because he's a brilliant manager. I don't know how he did that, but I mean, I'd rather have like Jose Mourinho. Yeah, I was about to say, why don't we get, why don't we get Jose Mourinho in a Crystal Palace? Why don't we do that? Like seriously, imagine the scenes if he actually won a trophy. That would he he would be a legend, but he wouldn't do it because yeah, I mean, there's no why, but the famous managers. They sort of just go to the big clubs, they go back and forth, and then they win some titles, and then they're proud of themselves. Except for Bielsa now. But they don't really go to a smaller club and build something up there, because if it doesn't work, then they sort of ruin the reputation as a brilliant manager. I mean, not necessarily. I mean, if you look at, for example, Jose Mourinho, look at his career. He He first managed Porto, didn't he? And Porto were, you know, they were mediocre back then in 2004. Yeah, yeah, but he wasn't a brilliant, he wasn't known as a brilliant manager before Porto. Yeah, I fair mean, enough. What about, okay, but well, what about like Inter Milan then? They're a good team. Like They were a good Milan. team back then as well. Yeah, but Inter Milan are clearly better than Crystal Palace. Okay, fair enough. But I could, I don't know, I, I could see how Jose might want to have you know, a bit of a nibble at what it's like to play for, a, what it's like to manage a mediocre side. I could, I could see that in him and how he could come back out of retirement. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I don't know. Like he has a greater desire to keep his sort of... Jose would probably rather go into history as the guy who has won the most Champions League trophies in football history than the guy who made Portsmouth brilliant. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, if Jose goes to Crystal Palace, all I'm saying is, that as an Arsenal fan, I'd rather have Crystal Palace win the league. You'd rather have Crystal Palace win the league than Arsenal win the league. If Jose's at Palace, because, I, I mean, will Arsenal win the league? I doubt it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I seriously doubt it. I don't think we're going to win the league within the next three years at the most. No, I love you, Arteta, but I mean... <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I want Watford to go on a three-year unbeaten run and get two Premier League titles or something like that, but... Let's be honest, we're barely going to scrape through promotion. Uh, then we're going to go buy some hopeless players, you know, buy some 32-year-old uh, right-backs. That uh, No, we're going to go buy three 32-year-old right-backs because, I don't know, we're already think they're a bargain or something. Uh, and still not have a striker next season. And we are going to end up, I'd say, 19th. We're going to get a few wins here and there against like Norwich, but other than that, not much. You'll probably buy like um a really old CDM for like, I don't know, twenty k and a pint. <laughs> no, no, no. We have an Italian owner. It's going to be uh. Okay, so a, a panini. It's, it's a pin- going to be twenty k and a bottle of wine. Okay, yeah, and a bottle of prosecco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, going back to Crystal Palace, who do they play again? Uh, Leicester. Leicester. Um, just to round off a prediction, I'm going to say uh, anywhere between 2 to 3 nil. I'll say 4-1 to Leicester, and that's just because I was looking at Palace past games, and they lost both 4-1 to Chelsea, and who was the other one? Spurs. So... Two top six teams. Sorry, Arsenal, you're not top six anymore. We're just hey. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. We we've admitted it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they lost four one Spurs, four one to Chelsea. I think they're going to lose four one to Leicester. 
accept. Okay. Um, acceptable. Speaking of which, what do we think of, um, what is your opinion on Jose being sacked? I mean, I'm not a fan of the way they did it because going into a Super League, when your manager isn't putting up with it, sacking the manager and then yourself leaving Super League, that isn't very professional. I mean, uh, apparently... On the other hand, I think he wasn't doing a great job at Spurs and the way Jose plays, you just can't have Roden and who's the other guy uh, at centre-back and it, they're not ju- they're not that Spurs team, Eric Dyer and Alderville, uh, Regulon and Aurier aren't going to be able to hold on to one new leads the same way that Mourinho wants them to. So I think they need to go get a manager who plays more positive football because that is what's going to suit Spurs' squad because all of Spurs' some better players are in the attack and I think they could play a pretty good pressing game but I don't think Mourinho's tactics are working so basically I'm not a fan that they did it but I think they had to do it but I'd rather have I'd rather they do it after they lose the League Cup final exactly I think that you know we're talking about how Jose hasn't won a trophy for for the first time when he's managed a club. This is the first time he hasn't won a trophy at a club. And he didn't even get a season. I mean, yeah, exactly. He didn't get he literally took you to the final of a cup and then you sacked him. It's a bit like, <laughs> <laughs> like... Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it's 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 a proper Watford move. Yeah, it's like it's like shooting the waiter before he serves you. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's a bit like, why didn't you wait? Because we know Jose in the cup finals. He's a Mourinho masterclass. So, you know, I don't know why you would want to sack him. I, I'd, I'd rather wait. But, um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, on the topic of Spurs, you know, having man, having new managers, do we do we think that it's... Is it fair to say that it's not a problem with the managers? Is it more just a problem, this infinite phenomena, or not not phenomena, this infinite problem with Spurs? What do you mean? I mean, for so long now they've been without a trophy. Like, do you think this yeah. is just a thing with... You know, we've seen them gone, go through world-class manager after world-class manager, right? Do you think it's just a problem with Tottenham as yeah, a club or something? Yeah, it's a problem with Tottenham, but I think it's the same problem as you've got with Arsenal. I think it's that you, your squad isn't good enough. I mean, we won and... the FA Cup when we were shit. Yeah, but you're nine. Um... <laughs> <laughs> hey, and... we still have... We have two trophies under Arteta. That's all I'm saying. Like, yes, yeah, yes, mean, we're garbage. You're yeah. in the same league as Spurs, but, I mean... I mean, yes, I... Yes, we're at the same level as Swindon City or Swindon Town or whatever it is. Yes, we're at... Town. Yes, we're at the same level as Swindon Town, undoubtedly. We're dog water right now, but at least we still managed to scrape two, thro- two, two trophies. And Spurs are just... Leave. Ahead of Villa, you're ahead of Wolves, Southampton. Yeah, Spurs are just—they're just dog shit throughout the season, regardless of what happens. <laughs> like they—they they, they came second in the Premier League in the 2015-2016 season and capitulated on that one. They get—they mm-hmm. got to the the Champions League final and they were like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. that. Like seriously. You, you go to the final to win it, so you don't go just to, to put your name there. Well, I mean, the other team probably wanted to win it more, and that was probably the issue, to be fair. I mean, Liverpool played better against Madrid the year before. That's all I'm saying. Alright. Uh, I'm not going to pretend myself to be an expert in past uh, Champions League finals, so... 
Yeah. But I think uh, we've been rambling on for this five-minute episode that <laughs> we've started it for about an hour now. So I think... It wasn't... It, this This really wasn't planned, so... No, yeah, we... You know, I usually... We usually have it sort of half-scripted and then we screw up on anyway somehow, but this time it really wasn't scripted. So, yeah, well, I don't really know what to say, but thanks a lot for watching and bye.